Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are categorically in the right place. I've never said it quite that way before. We are celebrating a milestone. Today is episode number 300. That's right, Coffee Break with Game Changers. I started this little show on October 5th, 2011, and here we are how many years later. So delighted if it means anything to you. It sure means a lot to us here at SAP. So let me see what the buzz on the street is. Okay. I have a quote from Jean Meister, M-E-I-S-T-E-R. She's a partner at Future Workplace. She's a keynote speaker, co-author of the 2020 Workplace and the Future Workplace Experience. And by the way, she has over 34,000 followers on Twitter. How's that? Here's the quote we found in from one of her, her writings online. She says, CHROs using artificial intelligence in the workplace? That's a question. Will we consider it unthinkable not to use intelligent assistance to transform recruiting, HR services, and learning and development? She says, I believe the answer is yes. HR leaders will need to begin experimenting with all facets of AI, that's artificial intelligence, to deliver value to their organizations. There we said it. So obviously we're talking about HR, CHROs, human capital management, and AI, this new technology that's rocking our world. Let's talk a little bit. As artificial intelligence moves from what used to be innovative, wishful thinking on the part of some data scientists probably and technologists and strategists, as it moves from wishful thinking to reality, businesses like yours, I'm talking to our listeners all over the world, you are facing a challenge. How can you use AI systems to help your human employees be more productive and happier, that matters, rather than just, uh uh-oh, replacing them? That's the fear, that's the threat. There's good news. There's room for both AI and humans in the new digital workforce. We're not just talking about robots working side by side with real human people. So are you ready to integrate this next wave of AI into your company's processes? You may be on the fence about this. We have three experts who are going to help you figure out where to go from here. Let me tell you who they are and then we'll start talking to them. First up, a gentleman who is becoming a regular on Game Changers Radio. He just keeps showing up. He is Darwin Diano from Deloitte Consulting. He is the Principal and Chief SAP Leonardo Officer at Deloitte. Shout out to Deloitte. And I see Carla Neal. I think she's in Prague this week. She's tweeting. So thank you, Carla, for that. Carla is our, our go-to connection at Deloitte. Joining Darwin on the panel, another regular on all of our Game Changers shows. She even sponsors an entire series called Changing the Game with HR. She's Dr. Patty Fletcher futurist leader at SAP Success Factors, and rounding out the panel is a newcomer to Game Changers. She is Stephanie Statura, Senior Manager in the Human Capital Consulting Practice at Deloitte. So special welcome to Stephanie. Darwin's up first. Darwin has sent me an opening quote from Paolo Cohilo. If you want to look him up, C-O-E-L-H-O. He's Portuguese. He's a young man born in 1947. I'm allowed to say he's young. He's a Brazilian lyricist and novelist and the recipient 
recipient of numerous international awards. He uses electronic media, and he has created a foundation. He's best known for his widely translated novel, you may have heard of it, The Alchemist. He is the writer, listen to this, Darwin, I don't know if you know this, Paul, Paulo Cahillo is the writer with the highest number of social media followers, reaching over 29.5 million fans through his Facebook page and 12.2 million followers on Twitter. Woohoo! Here is the quote. I can choose either to be a victim of the world or an adventurer in search of treasure. It's all a question of how I view my life. Darwin Diano, how are you today? Welcome back. Bonnie, thanks for having me. We're delighted. Talk to me about the quote. Are you a big follower and fan of Mr. Kohilo? Yes, I, I consider him a literary genius, and uh, I love the quote because it speaks about taking charge and how we can all control how we look at things. And, you know, I often encounter when talking to clients and colleagues and other people that, you know, they, they, they're acting like victims of AI, and the reality is there's new opportunities to be had, new adventures to be had, and, you know, I think that this quote um, perfectly sums it up. Thank you very much. Talk to me about In Search of Treasure. Where is the treasure here, Darwin? Is it humans working side-by-side side with robots? Is it chatbots being incorporated into processes? Is it HR perhaps using chatbots and, and AI to recruit people to go through about 90% of the recruiting process? Where is the treasure here? It's all of the above, and it's very exciting. right? I, I One of the analogies that I've used recently is that, you know, the pre-AI world is like, you know, just like we were when we were working on typewriters. And now in comes this computer, and you could do things that you were never, ever able to do before. And it's exciting, and I think there's a lot of possibilities where we could merge the best of what defines the human workforce with the best of what technology can enable and and take uh human performance, enterprise performance to greater heights. Thank you very much, Darwin. By the way, you're not in the U.S. today. Where are you calling from? I usually ask a little bit later, but we're curious. Where are you right now? I am in Prague in Czech Republic, so uh, very, very happy to join you from this side of the world. Ah, are you somewhere near Carla Neal? Do you know Carla at Deloitte? Because she told me she's out of office and she's in Prague this week. Are you at the same conference? Just curious. Yes, uh, we're at the same event uh, in our global <laughs> summit. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. A lot of uh, technology conversations, a lot of thought leaders. Wonderful, and you are one of ours. So thank you very much, Darwin, for taking the time out of your conference. And now I'm going to introduce our very special HR person here at Success Factors, Dr. Patty Fletcher. And Patty has selected a quote from Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan even has a Twitter handle, Patty, that's at Carl Sagan quoted. So apparently a lot of people quote him. Carl Edward Sagan, 1934 to 1996, an American, listen to this, astronomer, cosmologist, no, that's not a makeup person. He's a cosmologist, astrophysicist, astrobiologist, author, science popularizer, science communicator in astronomy and other natural sciences. And he was, he published more than 600 scientific papers and articles. He was author, co-author, editor of more than 20 books. He was, he wrote many popular science books such as The Dragons of Eden and so much more. And he hosted 
Cosmos, A Personal Voyage, the most widely watched series in the history of American public television. Let's just leave it at there. Oh, my goodness. Here's the quote Patty has selected. We live in a society exquisitely dependent on science and technology in which hardly anyone knows anything about science and technology. <laughs> Patty, I love, I love the quote. I can't stop laughing. How are you, Patty Fletcher? I am great, Bonnie. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much. You've been all over the place. I know you've done some presentations on inclusion and diversity in Washington, D.C. You're speaking with senators. You're speaking with other people in the government. So we are so pleased you took time out like Darwin. And I know like Stephanie, you're very busy. So thank you, Patty. Talk to me about this quote. Are you a big fan of Carl Sagan's? Did you just happen to come well, across yes, this? I, I, I knew for sure that you'd remember I used a quote of his um, a, a few uh, shows ago as well. Um, I am a big fan. And I think for someone like him, an astrophysicist, um, he can really put some things in, in perspective, for sure. This quote is, is definitely going down the road Dar Darwin was on, right? Over and over again, meeting with CHROs and, and with folks who are focused in on people's strategy, whether they're practitioners or they're analysts. And we always get the question, are robots, are machines going to replace people. And that's the wrong question to ask. It really is about how can this kind of intelligence help us move the future of work um, to a place where it should be? How can we be better leaders? How can we structure the organization for success? It's not replacing, it's augmenting. And the other piece that, that science and technology gives us is data right? Really amazing insight. But mostly, we're coming at this from a machines are, are replacing our ability to be human. You know, we're afraid of machines, but yet we don't really understand that the promise and the impact that they can make. Thank you very much, Patty. Very interesting. Now, in your many travels in government circles, and I know you are doing a whole podcast series with colleagues around the world on uh, Wonder Woman and women in technology, I applaud you for that. Do you get this question often from people, Patty, where people say, I don't want to be replaced by a robot. Seriously, my company is considering all this artificial stuff, machine learning. I don't know what it is, but a robot? I don't know. How do you have lunch with a robot? Or what if they work when you're on vacation and you're not invited back? Is there a feeling of threat among workers around the world, Patty, you met? Well, you know, it's different. So the, the stuff that I do with, with Entrepreneur Magazine, which is, um, you know, outside of the work that, that I do with, with CHROs, those are the folks who are disruptors, right? These are the folks that are mm -hmm. looking at the promise, the, the capabilities that you can use technology and specifically smart technology for, right? What, what are the big problems where these can provide solutions? And I love that. On the other side, when we're talking about the business beyond bias work that SAP is doing and, and how we're leveraging artificial intelligence by first training in the machines to learn. That's where we get the, whoa, 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 are you telling me that, you know, a machine is going to replace all of these people decisions? Mm -hmm. No, no, we're not, right? And so that's really where it comes in. And there was an example last week I was um, – I was facilitating a panel at the CHIPS conference, which is all um, I, female IP attorneys and, and judges, and um, we were talking about um, Unilever and the news that came out that Unilever for its, um, its entry-level positions is exclusively using machines for sourcing. A person only comes in when they've made it mm -hmm. to the final stage. 
right? So think about that. It's a very high volume. They have like 150 job breaks a year or something, 150,000 job breaks a year or something, you know, crazy like that. It's, it's a very, very big population. And, and when we see that and we think, oh, my God, but people are going to, to come out of that sourcing process, those are exactly the right places to have it because you garner insight, right? You're able to do these high-volume, low-value kinds of um, kinds of processes that you could not do before so that humans can then take the information that they need to from the different processes that are in place. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in some of the, the parts of the, um, the show today and be able to focus where they should, which is, is this person the right person for this role and doing it absent of human bias? It's, it's incredibly promising. And that's where the focus is for a lot of people. Where do you cross the line from human too much to too much technology. Thank you, Patty. Very insightful, as always. Appreciate it. And now let's welcome our newcomer to Game Changers here on show number 300. She is Stephanie Stratura, S-T-A-C-H-U-R-A, at Deloitte. And Stephanie has selected a quote from, I'm going to do my best to pronounce the name of this Serbian poet. He's a young guy, born in 1959, Dejan Stojanovic. I hope I'm pronouncing that, maybe Stovanovic. Serbian poet, writer, essayist, philosopher, businessman, and former journalist. His poetry is characterized by a recognizable system of thought and poetic devices, bordering on philosophy and has a highly reflective tone. Okay, and uh, there's all kinds of interesting information about him in on, online. Uh, let me see. He began to write poetry in the late 70s and kept his work private for three or four years until he started publishing poems in literary magazines in the former Yugoslavia. You can look him up. Fascinating. Here's the quote. The most complicated skill is to be simple. Stephanie Stutura, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We are delighted. We we have spoke. We speak to about twenty five of your colleagues from Deloitte every year on various of our Game Changers series, Stephanie. And so we're very delighted to meet you. So talk to me. Are you a big fan of the Serbian poet? And how did you pick this quote? And how does it relate to our topic today? I do. Yeah. So I actually did a uh, a study with him when I was in grad school many years ago. And I think this quote um, around being simple in this world where we're, you know, there's, there's so much going on from a technology advancement side, what I see in the market are that organizations are really kind of taking a critical step to say, do we need all of this infrastructure? Do we need what I, I say, quote, unquote, historical baggage? And I think it is really hard to be simple. And I, I think in, in, in all facets of the way we communicate with each other or the way that we communicate with our customers and our colleagues, um, it's hard to be simple and to be brief, and it's, it's, it really kind of resonates, I think, as we're talking about this topic. And it, what's interesting is actually one of the Deloitte Corn terms that we use when we talk about um, where technology and humans meet is a new term called homotics. And, and it's hmm. a newer kind of a fun word to say, I'll say. And it's, it's more, it, it's about this combo, and I think, you know, the other presenters here have certainly hit it well is, you know, where is that, that co-mingle and what is the sweet spot as where are humans and technologies or technology really um, come together as one. And I, you know, some of the things that I see from a talent side around this are that it's not necessarily the replacement. It's more about the elevation of certain skills. And I think what it's requiring is organizations to really think about some of those more tactical type items and activities 
that they traditionally would have humans doing, is there an opportunity to bring bots into the mix and to be able to elevate folks' jobs in the way that they're doing things? And I think the exciting part about this is this is providing a new type of development, especially as we're seeing such a larger portion of millennials entering the workforce. And so I think this is a very exciting time, you know, to be talking about this and a very exciting time for many of the clients that I'm serving. Thank you. Very interesting, Stephanie. Can you define Humbotics? I looked it up, and somebody has taken a website domain called humbotics.net.org, but they haven't used it yet. There's even a .com, yes. And they, there's no information that I can find. I'm assuming that it's spelled H-U-M, the first three letters of human, and botics for the last six letters of yep. robotics. Humbotics. Is that it? Yeah. So it, it's our view of where humans, humans and robots you know, become one. And it's it's the it's it's more of a, a term that we're using with organizations as they as they need to strike a balance of what tasks and activities that they're willing to make the investment around robots to go and do and how the organization has to coalesce around those decisions. So we're just starting to develop a, a stronger point of view around that. And who knows, Bonnie could be a future game changers conversation. <laughs> Shameless That's an interesting point. Stephanie, I think I, I do about 200 live shows a year on about 14 different theme series we have here at Game Changers Radio. As far as I know, I've only spoken to real humans, but you know what? Somebody could have fooled me. I've spoken to about 5,000 guests in the past six years. It's possible I had a humbotic. I don't know. It <laughs> sounds like a pivotal moment. You got me on that one, Stephanie. I'm going to have to go back through my list and see who sounded like they might have been a humbotic. Very interesting. Stephanie, welcome to Game Changers. What a good introduction by you. And now let's circle around to Darwin Diano in Prague. Thank you for, again, taking the time, Darwin. We know where you are now. We'd like to know what. What are you drinking? You're probably in a hotel room, so my guess is maybe not something very exciting, but what's your favorite drink right now in the whole wide world, Darwin? What's in your cup today, quote-unquote? Go ahead. Well, Bonnie, it's uh, it's uh, past 5 p.m. here in Prague, so I'm ashamed to admit that I have a little glass of Pilsner with my hand. <laughs> is there a brand to the Pilsner? Is there a special Pilsner in Prague that you would like to recommend? Well, it's uh, I, I'm I'm sure I will be mispronouncing this. I think it's called Pilsner or Quell. It's a, it's, a, it's a local brand, and and it's, it's and it's it's delicious. Thank you very much. I'm looking it up, of course. You know I am, and let's see if I can find it. Uh, okay, yes, Pilsner or Quell. U R Q U E L L. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. Okay, Pilsner Urquell Brewery Tours from Prague. You can go tour the brewery. It's a day trip. It's private guided tours from Prague to Pilsen and Pilsner Brewery. Driver guided services. Choose your own pace. How about that? And they even have an official website, Darwin, in case you're interested. I have to tell them if I'm above legal drinking age, and I don't have time to do that because they wouldn't believe me. So we're just going to let that go. But it's Pilsner, P-I-L-S-N-E-R, Urquell, U-R-Q-U-E-L-L. Thank you, Darwin. You, you talk that one. We appreciate it. Thank you. I won't say drink up. Just drink drink responsibly. You're on the radio now. Dr. Patty Fletcher, where are you? I know you're busy traveling all over the place. Where are you today? And what's your favorite drink right now, Patty? Um, well, I wish I was in Prague drinking um, 
one of those pilsners, but um, I am today. I'm not on the road, which is exciting. I'm in Westwood, Massachusetts. I'm talking to you from the um, 55 and over community where my parents live. Um, so I'm doing some remote work. Thank God for technology. And I am drinking a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee with almond milk, um, and it's delicious. It, it's like drinking dessert. Wonderful. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay, I'm told my connection is choppy, but we'll power on until we finish. What, Stephanie? Stephanie, where are you and what are you drinking? And then I'll reconnect. So, Stephanie Statura, what are you drinking and where are you calling from? Sure, yes, I'm in the suburbs of Chicago today. I've got a a client that um, has one of their offices out here. So it's actually a really nice day here outside of Chicago. It has been rainy and cold, and fall is officially here. So today, um, I have a Starbucks citrus trade tea. It's my my go-to in the morning. Sounds delicious. And by the way, Darwin and Patty know what I'm going to say next. They know two parts of what I'm going to say next. Stephanie, you don't know me, but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, so I behave myself. All I'm allowed to have is water. So I have a cool, clear glass of water and a pink straw because I have moved recently to Durham, North Carolina. Delighted to be here. I have a beautiful home office looking out on my garden and a little bit of wind outside. Patty, I do live in a 55-plus community, and we do have technology here, so there. (laughs) So you can come work here remotely anytime. I have a great Skype connection. I just remotely hosted my two Long Island TV shows remote from here via Skype connection last night. So I know we are connected to the world in case anybody's wondering. Yay! No comment on that on the 55 plus. So I'm just going to say quickly, I need to reconnect. I'm going to say to our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you're listening, our topic is AI at work. Is human-centric AI possible? I think the answer is yes. You need to listen up, whether you're in HR, whatever department you're in, in your company, even if you're just thinking of starting a company, this is important. We're going to continue to talk about humans, robots, a little bit about homotics, our new word of the day. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. Don't go away. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Indeed, show number 300. Proud to be here. Our topic is AI, artificial intelligence at work. Is it possible for AI to be human-centric? There's so many implications to that title, believe me. We're talking today to two people from our friends at Deloitte. We have Darwin Diano and we have Stephanie Statura, and we have Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. We're going to dive into our roundtable in earnest right now. Darwin is calling in from Prague. Happy to have him take the time to join us. And Darwin's going to talk about the following. Let's see what he told me before the show. He said, the digital divide, in quotes, and he'll explain that, is amplified by artificial intelligence and machine learning. On one hand, there is fear-mongering. 600,000 Google results for, quote, AI will replace humans, 2 million for universal basic income because of AI. Wow, that's a couple of loaded sentences there. Darwin, can you please expand these for us? Thanks, Bonnie. Yes, uh, so so there is a digital divide going on. Um, You know, on one hand, there's the fear-mongering that you described, you know, it's very easy to just Google, you know, um, AI will replace humans. On the other hand, the majority of technology vendors are focused on the features of how machines will take over human tasks without completely addressing the new role for humans. And it's not necessarily their fault. They're trying to sell software and capabilities they're not trying to solve the future of um, the human workforce, right? So, for example, most offerings on robotic process automation will highlight the capabilities of, quote-unquote, digital labor, but not necessarily address how companies evolve their workforce as a result. At best, there will be some reference to focus on more strategic tasks or now you can innovate. Right, so I think we all have a responsibility to help address this digital divide. As Patty mentioned earlier, you know, it's about augmentation. It's about mm-hmm. digital twin and it's about making sure that we figure out how we evolve the human workforce to take advantage, to take their performance to the next level, leveraging AI and machine learning. Thank you, Darwin. Very, very interesting. Patty Fletcher, love to get your thoughts on this. Join us, please. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting, right? And we've we've seen this kind of um, 
areas of convergence before in, in other places where car manufacturers had to become technology experts, right, so that we could get the smart cars, and we see how, how that's going. When it comes to the people piece, it's no different. HR, people who are responsible for, for other folks in their organizations, people managers, all of a sudden are facing this whole, oh, my gosh, I, I have to become a technology expert. That's not necessarily the case. But what is important, and, and Darwin, really what I was picking up from you is we have to get past just the tactical. Who do we need to be and why, right? What does that look like? What what is What is going to make this business move forward? And I bring that up because when I think about the World Economic Forum, talking about the fourth industrial revolution. One of the things that they talk about is that the Fortune 100s in the year 2000, over half of them are no longer in existence because of digitalization, right? And they give all of the examples, the bookstores versus Amazon, the taxi companies versus Uber. We all know them. We've all, all seen the infographics. And when we look at the fourth industrial revolution, surprisingly, it's less about digitalization. That's happening. That's a fact. The challenge becomes the human component, the talent economy. So it's almost as if folks are asking themselves the wrong question and, and you know, just really adding on to what Darwin was saying. They're asking themselves the wrong questions. It really should be about where are we going and what does the workforce of the future need to look like? Because diversity is a fact and technology and digitalization are a fact. Let's move on and let's, let's really challenge the status quo and rethink what's it going to take to be competitive, innovative, and let's not forget, people choose to work with your company now, right? It's not the other way around. So how are we going to use these kinds of technologies to enrich that experience so then our customers are happy as an end result as well? Very interesting perspective. Stephanie, love to get your thoughts on this. We've got a little, uh, I don't know if we have a debate going, but certainly we've got a broad discussion here. Stephanie Stratura? We do, yeah. It's, um, you know, a couple things that I see are going to be very different from an organizational perspective is there's going to be an influx, as we see, of, of uh, contract workers. So right now, you know, as an example, I have a client right now that's about 160,000 people. And of that 160,000, they have about 20,000 contract workers. You know, based on our research and what we're working with them on, we see that number probably quadrupling in the next four years for them. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a trend that is very much tied to, you know, as we see as technology advances. And I think from a talent market perspective, it, it's creating an opportunity for, you know, I as an individual thinking about where I want to go play, you know, my hand. It doesn't have to necessarily be for one company. It can be for multiple companies. And I think as organizations think about this, their lens of the type of skills that they may need may not be with, with their kind of current employee base or regular employees. It may be in a contract force. I think the other, you know, significant thing that will be leading on this is that we are also seeing that people have, are having longer careers. Now, I know there's a bit of um, I, a few months ago, or a few weeks ago I was speaking at an automotive supplier conference, and I said, you know, really the average age people are retiring is 90, and I think I, you know, kind of deflated the entire room when I said that, talking to probably a bunch of 55-plus <laughs> uh, men um, that were thinking they were retiring in the next five years. But, um, and, 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 we, and I say that intentionally, the fact that, you know, our view from a future of work perspective is that people will have multiple chapters of their careers. And it may be, maybe they had their long corporate career, and then they may move into that contract workforce and take that specific niche skill. And, and so 
this creates a very, very different structure and dynamic for leaders as they're thinking about how they're embracing this from a digital perspective. Thank you, Stephanie. Very interesting. Darwin, you started a very provocative conversation here. Darwin, you want to wrap this up before I move on to something with Patty? I fully agree um, with both um, ladies about um, their perspectives. Uh, it's, it's really about where we're going. And, you know, I want to comment about what Stephanie shared about the contract workers. To me, the perspective there is that the definition of the employee ecosystem now transcends the four walls of the enterprise, right? So mm-hmm. it's not, it, 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 it's just a different perspective, right? Um, a recent study that we did in the UK showed that 800,000 jobs were lost to automation, but 3.5 million new higher paying jobs were created. So the opportunities are there, and, you know, it is really about, to Patty's point, where are we going and how do we evolve? And by the way, that definition of how we evolve is not necessarily constrained um, to be within the four walls of the enterprise, uh, as Stephanie had noted. Thank you very much. Uh, Patty, I'm going to move on picking something interesting from your notes. Well, it's all interesting from everybody's notes, but I'm going to combine two of your topics, Patty. I think they segue very nicely. First up, you said algorithms are used to train machines, that's machine learning, to augment and at some points replace human decision-making as well as tasks formally considered a viable career option for people. That was formerly considered. Now, let me combine it with another statement farther down, Patty. You say decisions about humans cannot be and should not be made by machines. Patty, tell us more, please. Yeah, so a, a few things here, and I, I do want to make sure that, that our panel talks about, as a result, <clears throat> what should you start talking to your vendors about? Because to to Darwin's point, vendors are going down this road, right? SAP is no, no different than, than that. Um, so in, in terms of where we're at, all, algorithms are replacing, like we talked about, lots of large-scale, um, large-volume kinds of work, right? Things like sourcing, as an example, of, of candidates. Um, and, and we can train machines to do that, but we have to remember that people are the ones who create algorithms. So I, I do want to talk about that. But it's, you know, when we look at roles like, I don't know, um, being an HR, someone in HR who did, I don't know, payroll or, or used to do data entry around people's master data records. Those jobs really don't need to exist anymore, right? There's so much automation in place. And really going to Darwin's point, we have new opportunities as a result of technology. This is no different than in history. As new technologies, new capabilities for scale have come on board, we have had to evolve the workforce. It just is what it is. The challenge we have talks to um, what we were we were just learning about in terms of what Stephanie was saying. People are staying in the workforce a bit longer. Gosh, we have um, the contingent employees that, that Darwin and Stephanie mentioned. And so how are, is technology being 
able to leverage those other kinds of talent populations. It's super, super important. Some of our customers, 60% of their workforce are contractors, right? So when we look, where do we bring those folks in and where do we retrain them? There's a lot of focus in on the up-and-coming generations and yet people are staying in the workforce for longer and yet their skills and their capabilities are not being updated. And I think a question we have is, what is the responsibility of HR? What is the responsibility of other business leaders to be able to train the workforce they need? Because the second part of what Darren was talking about is those recs are available, but it's hard to fill them because we either can't find the skilled workers or they don't exist. And it's not just about the incoming generations anymore to be able to, to find that. But coming to the second part of it around decisions about humans cannot and should be made by machines. So what I mean by that is I really hope I don't have a robot for a boss someday. Right? I really actually like um, that, that relationship among humans. I, I don't necessarily want to believe that a role that I could fill would be, would be made by a machine, informed by a machine to be able to eliminate biases but, and be able to focus in on the right data points, but not made by a machine. And that's really Daddy. where the, 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 the concern comes for folks on this topic. I have a feeling I had a couple of bosses back in the day who were robots because <laughs> they were so, quote unquote, inhuman <laughs> that I can't imagine they had a heart that was beating and real blood coursing through their veins. We're just going to leave that one alone. I had some evil robots for bosses before we even talked about homebotics. Stephanie, you're next around the panel. Please comment on what Patty shared with us. Go ahead, Stephanie. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Patty. I think it's um, it's it's a, it's this time where I think some tough choices. You know, some things that I'll I'll add is that um, I'm seeing is there, there's a couple things when I think about a traditional organization and, and majority of my work is in the manufacturing space. So I think in particular that particular industry is really going through a lot of you know kind of churn right now. But um, when I think about you know you've kind of got your boomers that are are up and in, in kind of the high leadership roles. And then you've got what I call like the 40-somethings and the early 50-somethings. Something that I'm seeing, Patty, to your point, is that there is this extreme focus on what I call the 30-somethings that are taking then on these big executive roles. And what's happening is there's this middle part generationally of an organization that's getting missed in the next leadership transitions. And so there's, this, there's a bit of this interesting dynamic. So if, you know, you're, you know, kind of 50 years old, your, your boss is retiring, and then essentially somebody probably 10 to, 10 to 15 years your junior then takes on those executive roles. And I think what that's causing is there's, there's becoming almost like this two-tier system in organizations when it comes to um, kind of overall from a development perspective that I don't think anyone has quite figured out the right approach to manage that. I also think as organizations are starting to introduce um, new things around their operating model and they're starting to incubate on different types of technologies and things like that, you're, you're then pulling away typically then your, your high potentials, the people that you see, which tend to fall a lot of times in that, that 30-something bucket. So I think that the, the trick of this is creating the balance of creating a well-rounded team but not inadvertently creating a two-tier system which is, is something as many of the global organizations um, that I'm working with are, are, are trying to balance. Thank you, Stephanie. Darwin, love to get your thoughts. Please join us. No, it's, it, it's very fascinating. And, and to be honest, I was um, 
caught off guard by the comment about decisions about humans cannot be and should not be made by machines, which to me is such a pro- profound statement to make, right? Because, I mean, machine learning, artificial intelligence is only as good as the algorithm, which is only as good as the data. So um, there are so many false positives, right? The foot can be operated by a machine, but the nervous system, that perception, proprioception, I mean, all of these things are well, well beyond the current capabilities as much as we like to talk about neural networks, et cetera. So the statement about decisions about humans cannot be and should not be made by machines to me is such, it means so many things. There's some ethical um, boundaries that are drawn, which I completely agree with, and, and I, 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 could not, um, I could not endorse it more. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think um, uh, completely agree the perspective that um, that um, these are all the right considerations, and you know, we need to start to think about some of these boundaries and you know how we how we can help establish guardrails as we explore um, AI and machine learning more and more. Thank you, Darwin. Patty, you want to wrap this one up? I have something from Stephanie's list I want to squeeze in here before we go to predictions in about eight minutes. Absolutely. So, so, so two things. Um, the guardrail component, isn't it fascinating, Stephanie and Darwin, watching this? Because it's, it's just such an interesting um, place. It's, it's one of those, is there an intersection with policy on this, with, with practice, um, with commerce? It's, it's incredibly difficult. And I think we're all kind of trying to entrepreneur this, right? We're trying to figure out what, what that looks like. There, that is just a huge topic. Um, the the other piece to this, though, is part of the decision around vendors. And Darwin, to your earlier point, as you know, enterprise software folks are, are going here, we have to start asking our vendors different questions. How are your ag- algorithms created? What are the checks and balances to ensure that human bias is not part of the algorithm, right? What are, how are we training and retraining the folks who are developing? There are so many different, um, different uh, slices and dices now that we have to ask because what we learned from Mark Zuckerberg when he did his, his annual readout was last year they had to shut down some of the AI work they were doing because the machines were talking to each other in a language humans could not understand. So we, we have to be super careful, not only the cultural implications and all the human stuff, but understanding what these machines can do. And then the, the machines that you bring into your home, right, into your business, are they having the right checks and balances to ensure that you're not creating problems you don't need to be creating? Thank you, Patty. It just calls to mind, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the new series starring Jeremy Piven. It's it's on Sunday nights. Um, I, I, I don't know which major network. It's called Wisdom of the Crowd. And the story goes that he's a technologist, a very wealthy man whose daughter was murdered, and he's trying to use the wisdom of people who are connected to social media to help solve the crime that the police have been unable to solve. So he creates a supercomputer called Sophie. And Sophie takes on millions and millions of people who want to contribute. So they'll put out a picture of a possible suspect. And 
all over the city, even the world, people see the picture and they provide insights as to, I saw this person or I didn't. They even attack people who look like the suspect in the street. It's a little out of control. But the point is that he's trying to take the bias, Patty, out of some of the responses of Sophie where they're adding algorithms that will say, okay, have these people been on some hate lists or have these people who are responding, have they been incarcerated at some point in time? So they're trying to get biases out of what they take in as the data of possibly crime-solving crowdsourcing. It's an interesting show. I don't know how long it's going to last, but uh, a lot of what you're talking about, Patty, has been incorporated into that model. So art is imitating technology. How about that? Stephanie, sorry for the delay here. I have a topic from your list that I would like to mention here. You say revisiting corporate culture was a top human capital trend in years past, but it still has a large role to play in today's gig economy. And you add the shift you're seeing is watching organizations take a critical look at their mission statements and making choices on how they plan to measure employees living their brand every day. This is a packed statement. Stephanie, please tell us more. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. So it, we do a uh, annual survey every year of a, a number of both HR as well as uh, functional leaders, and this particular trend it had not hit the report. And then three years ago was our number one trend that came out. So it became something that we realized our clients are asking for, and it was you know what was our point of view on that. And I think th- there, there's a couple things. I think every major organization that any of us either work for or have served has a, a mission statement, has a, you know, kind of goals and objectives and whatnot. I think what has happened over time that as, you know, kind of the ship has been building and there's been, you know, a bit more of bureaucracy that's been added into many organizations, that has gotten lost in the way that organizations truly measure it as well as, you know, expect their employees to really live and dream that. And so, you know, some of the things that I'm seeing around this, and I think it's happening very intentionally as we're very much in this industrial boom right now from a digitization, it's forcing organizations to take a very critical look at not only like what the words say and those type of things, but what are the behaviors that they want their employees to be treating each other, you know, within the, you know, kind of day-to-day interactions that they want leaders to be exuding, and then ultimately the type of citizen that that particular person is in their community and, and things that, you know, their interactions in the places that they live. And it's, it's, it's a very different way of thinking that I think traditionally, you know, going back 10, 15 years ago, there was such a divide between who I am at work and who I am, you know, to my friends and family and my personal life. And I am seeing that really become more of a connected piece. I think also with technology, you know, with this is, is we there's an opportunity to be sharing that in, in multi-mode, not, you know, from a social media side, but then also to be able to have work integrated in many of those things that you're doing um, from a day-to-day side, making that a bit easier. So it's a very, um, it's a very different um, way of thinking around this. I think as a, as a behavior, we're just seeing a lot of shifts in this area. Thank you, Stephanie. And Darwin, you're next. What do you think? Interesting topic. Talk to us. Yes, so um, something about the mission statement conversation resonated because the reality is, you know, um, to Patty's point earlier, um, there are a lot of constructs that have been built that were built prior to these technologies being available. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yes. as, as uh, Stephanie was talking about the mission statement, what, one thing that came to mind was, you know what? Um, a tale of two companies, right? One is uh, a big tech company, $80 billion revenue, and another tech company that is $20 million of revenue. You wouldn't put them in the same sentence. But then you put the number of employees that they have. The other one has, you know, um, uh, however many hundred thousand um, employees, um, three hundred eighty thousand employees, and the other one has twenty, uh, sixty employees. So when you do a revenue per employee comparison, the twenty million dollar company actually looks more attractive, and they're more agile and they're more poised to to drive and thrive in this revenue uh, in in this um, world with artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, so, uh, so to me, my my, my comment on uh, what Stephanie shared is that um, yes, absolutely. I, I think there is this whole ecosystem that really needs to be revisited um, to determine what you know. How how do we transition them to be effective in thriving in this world of AI and machine learning? Thank you, Darwin. Patty, circling around to you, thoughts about mission statement and measuring employees in this new gig economy, and talk to me, Patty. Yeah, I think that the, there's so much here that this could be a whole show series. I love this topic. Um, so a few things. It's not just employees, right? It, it truly is anyone who is representing your brand. It's contingent staff. It's, it's apprentices. It's anybody, right? So <clears throat> there's some language change there. I just want to back up a little bit, though. Um, the the brand, right? A brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, right? We don't actually right. own the brand. Somebody else does. And so with CHROs now really being asked to be CMOs, that's where digitalization is super exciting because we know that we have an engagement problem. We've had an engagement problem forever, right, according to Gallup. And so now we have technology that can give us some insight, not into what people think, not just into what people think, but the sentiment around why. And then how does that link back to the mission, right? Are we even living our mission. And so what does that actual brand experience look like? It's huge. And then the technology to be able to understand, you know, as as Stephanie and Darwin have, have pointed out, our workforce demographics have changed completely. They're totally different. The way people work are different. And therefore, this one-size-fits-all that we've had for so many years when it comes to people practices and the technologies we put into place, which, you know, have tried to basically replicate manual, um, or now we can rethink all of that. It doesn't have to be that way, and yet we can still live the same mission and the same brand and embrace the individual and the collective teams. But it is, to, to the, the points of my, my fellow panelists, a completely different way of thinking and one that eventually we're going to need to get there. And, and just one thing, Darren, I'm so happy you mentioned it about the agility and flexibility of the small org versus, you know, the large company. And there's so much thought around there. Are MNCs going away, right? Are they just not going to be able to exist when, um, as digitalization starts to take over? It's, it's Patty, I need to stop you. We're, thank you. We're deep into our predictions round, and we've got three and a half minutes left till the end of the show. Thank you, Patty. You're right. We need another topic. I think we're out of shows for the year, but you can come back with your own series in 2018, and this could be your first topic. So I'm going to circle around. Stephanie, I'm going to let you start the predictions round. I can give you exactly 60 seconds. That's it. We're really tight on time. Stephanie Stachura at Deloitte. Take a look in the crystal ball. What will we be talking about? Tell me how far in the future. What will change about AI at work? Is human-centric possible? Stephanie, 60 seconds, go. 
Sure. I, I think one year from now, we won't be talking about this as a trend. We'll be talking about this as a reality. And I think the thing that we'll be talking about, you know, in, in that year crystal ball will be how organizations can use AI to simplify things around decision-making, getting rid of some of that bureaucracy. And I think, I think what this is going to take is, a, is some courage by not just our leadership team, but also by our employees of challenging the status quo and really embracing this as, as a reality. Thank you. Brief and to the point. That certainly packed a punch. Thank you, Stephanie. Let's circle around to Darwin Diano in Prague. Darwin, 60 seconds. What's your prediction? You know, I think there will be the rise of the orchestrator, right? When specialization will be owned by technology more and more, the ability to bring everything together will become much, much more important. And I think that's the next um, pinnacle for, uh, for human workforce performance. So that's my prediction, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Also brief to the point, Patty Fletcher. They were so tight, I can give you 60 seconds plus 10 seconds bonus. It's all yours, Patty. Go ahead. <laughs> I might not even need it. Um, I, I see that as we, we get more into these decision-making tools that give us such amazing capability on an individual level, but incredible insights on the collective kind of strategic level, that we're going to see an acceleration where HR and IT start to move away from the mindset of adoption, right, IT adoption, and into the mindset of what is essential for living this brand, for, for um executing on the mission and being able to be competitive and despite and because of all of the different trends happening. Don't forget these these machines, especially with artificial intelligence, help me, the individual, make sense out of a lot of different pieces of seemingly disparate information to make better decisions. And so that's the kind of movement that I think we're going to see. Thank you very much. All very powerful predictions. Thank you to the three of you. We have one minute left. Perfect timing. So I want to say thank you to Darwin Diano. Thank you to Dr. Patty Fletcher. Thank you to Stephanie Statura. Stephanie, pleasure to welcome you to the Game Changers family. You certainly were a valuable contributor, and we appreciate all of you. And I will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. with a new episode of, let's see, it's Thursday. Um, I can't even remember what show it is tomorrow. We'll ju you'll just be surprised. I think it's uh, Internet of Things with Game Changers, either that or Life Sciences. We have so many wonderful themes here at Game Changers Radio. Just tune in here at the Business Channel tomorrow at 10 a.m. and I'll be back with something fascinating. So here's my call to action. I think you know what it is, but I'll say it anyway. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Darwin Diano and Stephanie Stachura at Deloitte, and of course, just like Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors, and a big shout out to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for today. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.